Hey y'all, it's Brian Rosefield. Just reminding you, if you're enjoying this content, we would love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe. Tell a friend about the Greatest Games Podcast. We would really appreciate it. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here again on the Greatest Games Podcast. A chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. Once again, it can be their time as an assistant coach, a head coach, a volunteer, a guy just tossing out the basketballs, just whatever game they consider <laughs> to be their greatest game. Sorry, I just I couldn't I couldn't keep it in on that one. You know, it's just uh, your creativity knows no bounds, Chris de Blasio knows no bounds. But uh, I tell you, we you know, at episode uh, sixty, we we jumped across the river in Columbia, the Columbia, South Carolina area, and we're doing it again from Ridgeview, the northeast side of Columbia. We are now going back across the river to Irmo High School, Dutch Fork High School's head coach Brett Jones. Welcome to the greatest game. Games podcast. Appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. I listen to y'all, listen to y'all's podcast, and I enjoy hearing it. Like I was telling you earlier, I enjoy, especially during these times, just hearing anything basketball. So it's been great hearing the local coaches. So I'm glad to be on. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Now, I, Brian, I could give you, I mean, do you want a layup today, Brian? I'll give you a layup today. There are no layups with me, Brett. And if you know, uh, this, is, this is a this trivia question coming. Let me go uh, ahead and reset. We'll uh, get what, started. Ga- what Gamecock football great? and I use great in quotation marks, graduated from Dutch Fork High School, quarterback, Gamecock football, great. Quarterback, Gamecock oh, come on. This great. is a bunny. I know it. This I, is a bunny. I, I'm, I'm, there, there are no bunnies for me, Chris DeBlas. Uh, yeah. My high school athletic director does not know much about high school sports. Is that possible? Should I say what, should I say what professional golf player graduated from Dutch Fork High School? Well, that would be DJ now. That's, yeah, that's, okay. that's too easy. Now, that, that's a bunny. But go ahead. Yeah. Give, give, me the, give me your quote-unquote oh, bunny. Coach Jones, who is it? What famed Gamecock? Eric Kimry. Eric Emery. Yeah, there you the go. Fade. I was going to say that next. <laughs> I can throw the fade. Eric Kimry. Wasn't, wasn't his dad the football coach there for a long time, Brett? That's right. He was. He was the yeah. first football coach at Dutch Fork, if I remember correctly. I wasn't there then, but yeah, he was the first right. football Right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the DJ one I thought would be too easy for you, Brian. I couldn't. Well, I mean, listen, I, I know what I know, and I don't know what I don't know. But I, you know um, <laughs> I know Eric Kimry can throw the fade. I know that. I know that. That's much. right. That, that is proven. That is there's <laughs> videotaped evidence of that. And Eric Kimry, a terrific high school coach in a different sport, but a very successful high school football coach down there yeah. in the Midlands. He's done really well. Yes, he has. Uh, coach, why don't you take us through your resume as a coach and a basketball player and how you got to where you are today? Okay, uh, I'm a little older than some of your guys. I've been doing it for a while now. Uh, I played at Presbyterian College, and I stayed a fifth year. I did my, I was going into teaching, and I, I decided to stay there and do my student teaching my fifth year instead of my senior year. So I helped coach, you know, as a grad assistant under Greg Nybert, uh, and uh, learned a lot from him as a player and a coach. And uh, so I got a lot of experience there. And then I moved on to uh, Lexington High School under Coach Harris, Bailey Harris, my high school coach, for two years and was a JV boys basketball coach for six years in the varsity assistant, which we were really successful in the 90s. Uh, for those six years, we were in the state championship, winning two of those. 
And then the White Knoll came open, which was in the district, and it was kind of known that I was going to be the head coach there. So I moved over there in 2000, and it was the head coach there for 14 years. I actually took a year off from coaching, got a little burned out. Uh, so I, I, I moved on. I moved to River Bluff, and Ben Lee wanted me to be his assistant coach. So I was assistant for Ben Lee for two years. And also, uh, I became the girls coach at River Bluff for one year. David Bennett did some good recruiting, the ex-football coach from Coastal Carolina. Uh, so, And he was my next-door neighbor. And so I was the girls coach. We had a great time there at River Bluff for one year with the girls. And then I'm now the Dutch Fork. I moved over with Coach Knotts to Dutch Fork. And this is my fourth year at Dutch Fork High School as the boys head coach. Coach, I, I'm I'm not gonna put you on a spot. This is, I've got a two-part question. The first part of the question you can choose to skip. Uh, assure you that. But the second part of the question, I would love to hear your thoughts. But just keying in on that part of of just getting burned out. I talk to my coaches all the time about taking care of themselves and I've learned the value of taking care of myself. And I'll be honest with you, the last couple of days at work have been pretty busy as we're getting ready for high school football right. and my volleyball and I'm worn flat out. And so I'm, I'm saying this to myself as much as anybody else, but I'd love to hear your thoughts about taking care of yourself. But uh, the first part of that question, like I said, if you want to skip it, just tell us more about what well, led you to take that break. Just burned out mentally and physically. And I probably was, you know, trying to do too much myself, not delegating enough. I would think that would be the thing, not, not delegating enough of the coaching responsibilities, trying to do everything. And uh, so delegation would probably be the big thing, but uh, you, you're definitely right in anything. You got to take care of yourself mentally and physically. And I, I try to run, I ran today, exercise, you know, it was a big part of my daily regime. And, uh, but uh, you definitely, as a coach, you take on a lot of responsibility for not a lot of pay as far as the high school coaches and, uh, you have to take care of yourself, no doubt. Coach, that's interesting. Um, I want to piggyback on what Brian asked there and talk about taking care of yourself, but I have 30 things I want to say before that. One, we are trying to interview every person that played at Lexington under Bailey Harris, I believe. <laughs> We're going for that. Yeah, yeah uh, there you go. We've talked about Presbyterian College before. Are they still the Blue Hose? Is that Presbyterian? They are, Blue Hose. That's right. right. And we've talked about Coach Nybert on this podcast with several people. He's another person who we need to try to get on. He's popping up. Yeah, you should be mentioned. Yeah, he's he's been mentioned by people that have passed through the Presbyterian area. Um, But – some coaches that I'm, you know, friendly with up here in New Jersey that that I coach against and stuff, we talked about maybe – everything that went on this year, you know, you try to put positive spins on things that happen in life, but everything that's gone on with the the pandemic and everything, obviously we didn't get a lot to have like a lot of spring workouts and summer basketball. And I played a lot of golf this summer more than I have in a long time. And I was out golfing with a bunch of coaches and we were just saying that maybe this was a good, a good thing that we all got to kind of reset. You know, we grind so hard, even in the summer with everything, because if your team's not working out, some team you're playing is working out. So you feel the need to be working right. out with kids. And so maybe this was a good thing that came from all this is everyone got to slow down a little bit. Well, you know, we were in the state this year, so I was grinding for four straight months there. So it was, we played Thomas in the Dorman on the, the 6th of March, I think it was. And the next week we went to school and we were out of school the next week. So I was tired. So it was like for about three or four weeks, it was great. For me, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. not going to school and not coaching and not having to worry about anything. And I was just, you know, chilling at home and taking naps and running. And 
And but then after about four weeks, you know, even not teaching either, I was like, all right, I'm ready. I was ready to go back and do something. Maybe not, you know, like January, February, but at least do something. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was good for about four or five weeks for me. And then after that, I was I played some <laughs> golf and I was ready to do something else then. <laughs> Yeah. I enjoy the summer. I think the summer in June, I, I've always enjoyed that month because the pressure is not on to win as much. And I'm still competitive. I want to mm-hmm. win and fight. But I like evaluating my team, coming up with those answers, figuring out how, who you're going to play or how you're going to play. So I really enjoy yeah. the month of June. And also seeing the other coaches and going to USC team camp and what other camps there are, camp of champs with Coach Nybert. I enjoy that time being around the game of basketball, but not feeling the pressure to have to always win. Yeah, that's um, – I was really looking forward to this summer with my team. We were going to try to do things maybe a little differently. So, right. they didn't get to do that. We didn't really – we got no summer stuff here in New Jersey. But, you know, yeah. I was going to try some new stuff maybe this summer. Um, but, you know, we can do it again next summer. That'll be there for us. Right. I hope so. Yeah, hope so. I hope so too. Well, Coach, I, I've I've always been impressed with you with your teams, even back from those we were talking off the air before we hit record. The team camp days at South Carolina, your kids, just how a how hard they play, how disciplined they are, just really how smart they are. So I'm I'm asking for a friend. Uh, how do you do it? How do you get that across to your guys? All right. Well, I've always you know I love the game of basketball and I played, and uh, I try to coach us through a player's eyes to a player's perspective, you know, like, oh, I, I like that when I played and the coach did that, or or I remember when the coach would do this, I wouldn't like it. Uh, I do think, you know, and I learned from Coach Nyvern and Coach Harris, you know, you got to play hard. If you're not playing hard, I mean, why are you playing? But you got to play hard and you got to be competitive. And when I was a player, I always, you know, I always tell the guys, what's the time and score and what do I need to do to help my team win? Because that's the ultimate goal when you're playing is to try to win. So, uh, you know, I try to teach that competitiveness. Don't worry about how many points you score. It's how many points we score, you know. And if you need to score 20, then score 20. But you might not need to score 20. You might need to get that rebound or take that charge. So, you know, just being a competitor and wanting to compete, uh, you know, I try to push that onto my players. Like, let's let's compete. And we got to compete together because it's a team sport. Five guys got to play as one. You know, it can't just be. And I think that's one of the hardest things for coaching today is trying to get that, you know, selfishness out of people, you know, not worrying about yourself. Let If you're a good player, your stats will take care of themselves. Yeah, that's a that's a great attitude and way of looking at it. Uh, coach we had on who I, who I worked for, and Brian knows a little bit, Coach G and Freddie, would always say to our team, he said, our job tonight is for Saddlebrook to score more points <laughs> right. than St. Mary's in the time allotted. That's, that's right. That's it. Exactly. That's, nothing else matters. Yeah. <laughs> and you play 25 games and if you, you know, your stats will be there. If you're a good player, your stats will be there. Right. At the end of the year, you know. Coach, just an interesting question I always like to ask. Is there a, a, a book maybe that you've read that's helped you in coaching and that could help young coaches or even veteran coaches, uh, you know, some type of book they could read that you've read that you really would recommend to people? Y'all mentioned the one about the uh, the Wake Forest uh, walk-on. I forget the name of it. Uh, I really like that one. The one I go always – it's an old one. It's a goodie, uh, oldie but goodie. But uh, it's Stuff Good Players Are Made Of by Dick DiVinzio. And uh, it's got like little, you know, 
uh, you can still buy it. I still I still have it, and I, I look at it every now and then. It's, it's just got good stuff for uh, coaches and players, just like little – you know, page or two you read and talks about how to get a steal at the end of the game, how to set up a steal, how to uh, – I remember one thing I remember reading is how to steal it from a rebounder. You know, the rebounder always comes by and the coach tells it to get it chest. Well, you just put your hand at their chest, you know, and so when they bring it down, it sits in the palm of your hand. It's just like – and I, it works. I do it all – I used to do it all the time. So uh, Stuff Good Players Are Made Of by Dick DiVenzio has been a – was a book I've always uh, read and I still read and I give to players to read. I've heard that name referenced around the, uh, the, 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 it's not the uh, PTC point guard college, but the PTC yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, well, back when that. I was playing Dick DeVinzo ran prep stars up in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was kind of all the good players around the Southeast would go to prep stars. And that was an evaluation camp and he would do speeches and he did all those things. Point guard colleges from Dick DeVinzio, you know, he was kind of the godfather of point guard college. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, I'm I'm amazed at the landscape of, of high school basketball, the camps that are available, the clinics that are available now, the yeah. recruiting services that are available. There's more yeah. and more and more and more and more. And it's unbelievable. Right. <laughs> it wasn't like that when I was yeah playing back in the eighties. That's right. That's right. Well, coach, you know, the name of the podcast is the greatest game. So at this point in the show, we'd love to hear about, do you have a game, a couple of games uh, that you consider to be your greatest game? Take us in the gym. Let's feel the sweat. Let's hear the crowd. Tell us about your greatest game. <laughs> well, there's a couple games. Uh, I guess one would be at Dutch Fork, you know, uh, they hadn't beaten Irmo in 10 years. And uh, when I got there, everybody's like, you got to beat Irmo. You got to beat Irmo. I was like, well, when's the last time? You know, it's like, 07 or something. I was like, really? Like, no, at least in 07. I'm like, okay, well, Tim obviously is a great coach. Irma is a great program, but you know, we got, I got to make these kids think we can win. And, uh, and it is tough to beat Irma, but we beat Irma, and I won't go to the game because another game. We beat Irma the first time we played them at Irma. And you would have thought, I mean, we were in that locker. Those kids were celebrating. I mean, we were, they were throwing water everywhere. And it just meant so much to the community. Uh, to beat Irma, they, you know, they, people were crying. Parents were just so happy. They rushed the court. I was like, whoa, you know, you know, we, we beat them, but this is not, you know, state championship, region championship, anything like that. But anyway, so that was a cool moment. But the best game, and I, I ha- we happened not to win. I was at White Knoll. It was 2005. It was the first playoff game. We won the region. We were the number one seed. We played Burns in the first round. They were the fourth seed, and they had to come to White Knoll. And uh, that week of practice, that game was on a Wednesday, and I remember vividly. On Monday, my two-guard comes down, and he's sick. And he uh, he can't play. or His dad's not going to let him play on Wednesday night. He's got an upper respiratory infection, and the doctor says he can't play. So that was bad. In practice on Monday, my best player – I decided to go with a four-minute scrimmage at the end of the game. Just go hard. We're going to go hard, you know, real quick, just to make sure y'all got it. We're ready to go. He comes down and twists his ankle bad. He, he's averaging 18 points and 12 rebounds. He ended up being the Vision II All-American, John Thompson. So I'm like, oh, my God, I can't. Why am I scrimmaging? What an idiot. Well, Wednesday it comes. He rehabs for 48 hours. He's able to play anyway. So that was good. The other kid doesn't show up. We play Burns, and it is they take a 26-12 lead or something like that first half, and we come back right before half and cut it to three or four. Uh, they have a kid by the name of Freddie Brown. I think he played football at Carolina. Uh, pretty good player. Yeah. yeah. And uh, 
we had won the region that year. We were really good. We were 20 and five at that time. And they actually, Brett, excuse me, to interrupt you. Yeah, he was talked about, about maybe playing basketball and football. I, I'm, I want to say he came to a couple practices his freshman year oh, basketball season. I believe so. Yeah. Good player, probably better football player, but good high school player. Mm. And, uh, but the game was back and forth in third quarter, fourth quarter. And we were, we weren't, we didn't have a big bench and you know, without a starter. So I think I played six players. Well, we ended up going in overtime. And then we went to a second overtime, a third overtime. It was ended up being four overtimes. But in the third overtime, we're up two. I'm still, you know, bringing back good memories, but bad memories. My, uh, we're on the free throw line. Uh, we're up one on the free throw line. My player hits the first free throw. It's like seven seconds left. I call a timeout because I wanted to set, make sure we had the matchups. I remember I told my assistant, hey, look who the players are, the numbers. Make sure you write them down because we were a matchup team, but I was going to go man here to make sure they didn't uh, hit a three because I was thinking he was going to hit the next one. So I call a timeout. We go in the huddle. We match up. We miss. He comes. Freddie Brown gets the rebound. I got my best player on Freddie Brown. He pulls up from 17 and nails it to tie the game. So we go into a fourth overtime. So it's, uh, you know, it's just a great game. It's back and forth. And in the fourth overtime, we end up losing by one. But I had so many people after the game talk about what a great high school basketball game. It was worth the price of admission. But it still hurts to this day because we were – it was the first playoff game for White Knoll ever. Uh, we had two really good players. One was, like I said, Division II All-American, ended up playing at Florida Southern, uh, John Thompson. And then Stevie Evans, who was a really good high school player, ended up playing at Spartan Methodist in Coker. And uh, it, so we had some uh, good players, but they were so nervous. First playoff game. And I think if we would have gotten over that, we could have really done some some damage in the playoffs. But uh, the nerves got to us a little bit, especially in the first half, and we weren't able to keep our composure to win that game. But it was a great high school game, four overtimes. I've never been in a four overtime game, but it was a lot of fun. Coach, um, I'm kind of a smart ass, so this yeah, go ahead. Is, you don't know You're me very ask well. Why but... I called a timeout? <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about we scrimmaged at the end of practice and hurt our player. Yeah, that's and we bad, froze. Then we froze our own shooter in the third overtime. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I got. Yeah, I shouldn't have. I mean, looking back on, I was young coaching. That was like my fourth year in. Uh, I was again worried about matchups. I said, "We're just going to mess this up. We're not going to yeah. have our matchups. No, Somebody's going to come open." And I said, "I'm going to call this time because we had a two point. You know, we're up two. And I was just worried about those matchups. I should not have done that, and I wouldn't do that today. Uh, the, uh, what was your other question? Oh, no, practice. I just said you talked about oh, scrimmage at the end of practice. It just... Well, it was just like we're going to go hard real quick. I want to make sure we're going hard and we got the intensity that we need. And sure right. enough, bam, you know, <laughs> he comes down. But luckily he played and he had a great game. So I wouldn't, you know, and I think if our other guard would have played our starting two guard, we probably would have come away with the W. But it was a great high school game, four overtimes. Uh, you know, like, Was the game at Burns? No, it was at home. We were the region champs. Oh, uh, wow. Burns okay. played great. Burns played great. And they were good. Burns played well. This was before Lane Fowler. I forget the coach's name, but this was did right you, before Lane Fowler was there. Did you feel pressure? You said first playoff game in school history, only four or five Oh, yeah. Like, was there a lot of pressure just, just outside and in the school? And Not the school, but from myself, you know, I, you know, I was a part of, championship programs at Lexington, you know, being the state championship four years. And I was a young coach. I wanted to prove myself. And, you know, and uh, so I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. I do think the kids were a little nervous. Some of them at the beginning uh, put a little pressure on themselves to win that. Uh, 
you know, because we hadn't had success at the school. And the school was brand new. And, it, you know, that was one thing. Starting a brand new school was tough. So, uh, but uh, great game. Excited that, uh, you know, I think too, but too much pressure. It was a lot of pressure on everybody. Yes, I agree with that. You know, we, we, we talked about it a couple episodes ago about just young coaches. In this case, you know, you're a brand new school. We've opened the school here, uh, establishing the program. You're a young coach yourself. Just the value of, and I know it hurts, and I'm not trying to rip open yeah. old wounds or anything like that. I just I appreciate you talking honestly and openly about it. But what a, an amazing learning experience to to be able to just learn from it, move on as a young coach. And just as I was telling a coach the other day that, that works at Ridgeview, a young coach, it's like you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do stuff, especially in year one. No doubt. You're going to look back at it and say, why did I do that? You know, and just – Right. And, and it's okay. And it's all okay. It's just a part of learning and growing. Yeah, it's part of learning. Yeah, it's high school sports. Where, you know, it should be meant to, it's meant to be fun. And you're trying to teach kids and reward kids. And those kids are on that team, man. It's uh, I still talk to a lot of those kids. And they're – you know, they – they come to games. They come to, you know, to Dutch Fort games. They've come to my old, you know, White Knoll games. So it's, uh, you know, those kids now, that was 05. They're 15 years. So they're 33, 34 years old now. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's always good to reminisce about games like that and the season we had and winning a region championship and, uh, you know, seeing those guys being great, great young adults and having kids and th- those things. That's what's great about coaching. Coach, just talk about going into that year, or maybe during that year. Did you feel you had a, a team that could that could win the region and get in the state playoffs? You know, like you said, you had built the program from scratch, kind of there with the new high school. Did Did you know it was going to be a good team, a special team? Yeah, I knew. I mean, we had a good summer. Uh, we had, you know, a, a point guard that was good, and we had a post player that was really good, and I had some. Uh, you know, other guys that were just gritty, gutty, going to do whatever it said, you know, ever, whatever their job was to do. So we had good role players. So, yeah, I knew it was going to be good. And we were 20 and six. And even then we, uh, we lost to Steph Curry down in Hilton Head. You know, he was a junior. Nobody knew who he was. And he dropped like 33 on us. Uh, I was more interested in his dad, you know, seeing Dale Curry down there than, you know, Steph Curry. But he, you know, <laughs> and my point guard got hurt. Uh, he hurt his ankle, so uh, right before region, he twisted. Oh, against Spring Valley, twisted his ankle, so he missed the first three, uh, first three region games, and we went two and one in his absence. He came back for the fourth and was still a little gimp. We lost that one, so we were two and two in the region, and then we, after he got healthy, we won the last six. So uh, we ended up being eight and two in the region. So it was kind of a we did a really good job, even when the absence of Stevie Evans being hurt back then. Yeah, Brett, I've got an interesting question that I've yet to ask on this show. Maybe I shouldn't preface it that it's interesting. It's at least interesting in my own head here. But you mentioned those kids that play for you in 05. They come back. They come now to Dutch Fort games. You see them as young 33-year-olds and, 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 and with their own families and everything. What is something that those kids say to you that, just kind of blows you away that to say, coach, we really appreciated it when you did blank or, Hey coach, do you remember when you did blank? That really helped me. It just, I'm just really curious about that. Cause I've had that happen to me a couple of times, especially in cross country, but um, hopefully my question makes some sense to you. Well, you know, I think you're, you know, pretty much you st- when the father's day hits, you have kids like that saying happy father's day, uh, send you pictures of their kids. 
some of those kids at White Knoll have gone to the Hall of Fame, and I've given the speech to induct them into the Hall of Fame. You know, but most time kids talk about when you got on them, you know, when you ran them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, remember that time you made us run after that, you know? And, uh, yeah, and that's so funny because when you're running them, they're not – they're mad at you, you know, and mm-hmm. they're – but uh, it's those times you punished them. But uh, I think as a lot of these kids, they get older, they realize, you know, you really had their best interests at heart. And uh, it is great to see them when they're older. And now with social media, you get to keep up with a lot of them and see their families and they, they can DM you and stuff like that. And that's what's really rewarding is. And uh, as I've gotten older, knowing it's not just about the wins and losses, it's about making those relationships. And hopefully you've helped those kids in their lives and uh, making a difference mm-hmm. in other people's lives too. I'm, I'm continually blown away when kids show up. There's two things they say. One is that you remember coach when you did so-and-so and, so, and I, I really appreciate you being that hard on me. I'm like, what in the world? But yeah, then right. I almost cringe sometimes when kids say, Hey coach, do you remember that time when you, and they, they start that story. I'm like, Oh no, yeah, what did yeah, I yeah, do yeah, as well, a young coach, make them <laughs> run for like an hour and a half straight or something and trash cans right, on the right. baseline. Oh my God. Right. You know? Yeah. I've learned from all that. We don't, you know, we run with a basketball in our hands. We're gonna. We're not just gonna sit there and run all the time. We're gonna run playing or some kind of drill. I used to run them a lot. I, I don't do. I still run them. I just run them with a basketball <laughs> in their right. hand. Right. I've had three different. I've had three different kids tell me they understand now why I threw them out of practice. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I don't remember throwing yeah. that many kids out of practice, but apparently I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they probably got the message and they came back the next time and ready to go. <laughs> I guess so. I, I, the one kid told me, I mean, he was a good kid. Like he was the type of kid you would think I threw him out of practice. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. I don't, I've never thrown a kid out of practice. I've, uh, kids have left practice because they're mad or because you got on them too much. I've never had a, I've never thrown a kid out of practice. My college coach used to throw people out of practice. But, I've uh, thrown teams out of practice as well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I've the whole yeah, team. That's pretty good. Get out of here. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Coach, it's a little bit along Brian's question that we're just talking about here, but we'd like to end on a fun question here. If if I ask kids that played for you on that 2005 team at White Knoll and I ask kids that played for you this year at Dutch Fork to tell me what's the one thing Coach Jones says over and over again, what would that thing be? Uh, probably be comfortable being uncomfortable. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. When you're in an uncomfortable situation, be comfortable. And I probably learned that from my college coach. You know, it's, uh, it's okay to be uncomfortable. And same as a coach, you know, it's, unco- uh, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Be comfortable in that situation. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. That's a unique one. That's not one we've had before, Brian. That's not really be uncomfortable. I like be, that. be comfortable being uncomfortable. That's right. Comfortable being uncomfortable. That's a yeah. lot of comfortable in one sense. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Is that too much for you? You know, Chris, maybe this may be uncomfortable for you, but I would love to make you uncomfortable by going through every episode and making a list of your answers to that final question there. Can you do that? I want you to be uncomfortable. Be comfortably uncomfortable. I can do it. I mean, okay. All right. Great. You know. Thank you. I'll, I'll take that as an agreement. But anyway, we'll come to that. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about in the in Brian, post-production. Brian, great man once said, you can make your mouth say anything. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the, the great Rick Duckett, if those, uh, those that are wondering. Uh, episode 34, he referenced uh, Coach Duckett a Rick lot. Duckett. <laughs> that's right. I remember him. Yep. That's right. One of the all-time the Carolina guys, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, but, uh, well, Coach Jones, this has been super entertaining. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. We appreciate you joining us here on The Greatest Games. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this for the uh, all the basketball guys out there. Yeah, we're going to keep it going. And, uh, 
cranking them out here, whether we're in quarantine or not. But uh, let's go ahead and put a, a button on this episode for my co-host, Chris de Blasio. I'm Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.